Hello and welcome to the Quadcast. I'm your host, John McAlevey. Today's show will be unlike any I have previously recorded, and I have more than 50 of these babies under my belt thus far. I say that because my podcast, which for those of you who are new to the experience, is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, yet is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired, is generally a scripted question and answer program. This installment will be different. And that is not only because I am following up with the previous guest, but I am striving for more of a conversation this time around, one that is organic in nature. I will introduce some topics and situations and let the discussion flow where it wants. Tracy Iraka, who you will recall, was my featured guest in Season 3, Episode 8's Be It Ever So Humble, There's No Place Like Home, is back again. Now, that first time around, we spoke about, among other things, stuff like what she was doing prior to her injury, how she was injured, the hard work she put in in the gyms at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, how her life-changing spinal cord injury affected her mentally as much, if not more than physically, and about things she was looking forward to about getting home, along with maybe some that gave her pause. But that was then and this is now. Tracy has been back in the saddle again since the end of December, and she's here to let us know the good, the bad, and the ugly of how it's going. Tracy, thank you so much for agreeing to do this, and I hope that our conversation today will be as cathartic for you as I know it will be for me. But before we get started, someone would like to say a quick hello. Yokin, come here. (laughs) Come here, Yokin. You're sleeping on the job. Come here. Speak. Speak, Yokin. Come on. Speak. Your friend is on the phone. Speak. Come on. Come on. Speak. Don't get stage fright on me. Come on. Speak. <laughs> He's staring up at me with these beautiful brown eyes. Come on, Yoki. Speak. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't have... Yeah, that's a good boy. Speak. <laughs> Come on. Say something. Oh, he doesn't want to bark all of a sudden. This is the crazy thing. All of a sudden. Thing. Oh, he was barking in the kitchen. I was practicing with my mom. He didn't want to. He's sending his love with his beautiful brown eyes. And now he's back (laughs) laying on the floor again. I can see them. As I, as I, I'd like to welcome in the aforementioned Tracy Iraka. Tracy, thanks for joining me really. Oh, thank you for having me again. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, I know. And so, okay, let's set this up. The last time that we spoke, you were uh, the last time you were here on the quadcast with me, uh, your husband, Kevin, and your daughter, Abby, were wheeling you out of the second floor day room at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So, my friend, how was the ride back home? Okay. And what was it like when you first pulled onto your street and into your driveway and, and walked or we were wheeled into those front doors that first time? It was amazing. It was pretty much as amazing as I thought it would be. It, it feels a little bit unreal. But I think probably for for weeks after I got home, just being in the car, it felt so good just to look at all of the scenery because I had been cooped up for so long in the hospital that I just appreciate the car ride and being able to see. But of course, coming home was that same thing. I got to look out the window. I got to see all the familiar things. And when I pulled in the driveway, I just so excited to see my house. And, of course, to see Herschel. So we had decided the best way for me to greet Herschel or for him to greet me was for me to be in my wheelchair, locked, on the back sidewalk. And then Kevin brought him out on a leash to uh, let him see me because it had been four months. So he was very excited to see me. And I was just as excited to see him. And honestly, he hasn't left my side since. Oh, I tell you, I, for those of you listeners here, I, I begged Tracy to have someone videotape the, uh, the reunion and I got it that night. And it was, it was as heartwarming as you could imagine. Any of those times you see dogs where the, they haven't seen their owner in some time and they just go absolutely crazy. The tail was going back and forth. He could have, he could have uh, mowed the lawn with that tail or, or knocked a few uh, branches off the tree. So that must have been, um, you know, first and foremost, bef- that was even before you got in the house. So that was quite the, uh, the greeting. Exactly. And then when we got in the house, you know, I had to, I just got myself settled in a comfortable spot and he jumped up right next to me and just didn't leave. The cats, the cats didn't see me, but 
what what kind of upset me a little bit was that Herschel was a mess. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like he wasn't well, he had lost weight. He was biting his feet. He, we actually had to take him to the doctor and get him on some medication. But now he, he looks wonderful. These types of, of injuries affect more than just people. Oh, they affect our pets too. Without question. Yeah. They, he had been he had been missing his mommy for all that time. I mean, he was so confused. Yeah. He really was. But now he's so healthy and strong, and yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I, I know we'll probably get into this, but it's been very hard mm. not to be able to walk him. Yeah. That was always my favorite thing to do. But yeah. I don't think he minded so much. Like in the beginning, yeah. he was like, "We can just lay on the couch. Sure, I'm good with that. We could just chill. But, I haven't you know, seen you so exactly." Long. Exactly. Or even just lay on the back deck. He was happy to be lazy. But recently, my neighbor, Heather, I would walk with her all the time and her dog have started coming over and we're letting the dogs chase each other through the yard. And I think he likes that even better than a walk. Of course he does. I think we figured out some exercise. Yeah. It's like, you know, with me, I have a hard time getting yoking out, especially in this heat. I don't go out in this weather. I don't know if the heat bothers you, but being a high quad in the, up in the cervical area, it really affects Mm. not only, you know, my, my intercoolant system, but my blood pressure and all of that stuff. So I, I don't really go out. So when I'm at work, I, I cherish the times that my friend Elise comes down with Loomis and and the boys just go out and (laughs) run around. I mean, you got the chance to see those crazy guys running around, right? That's wonderful. I did. I did. And it's so great that they get to do that. They get a little time off from work. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, you're first, you're in the door, you, you greet Herschel. And what is it like, you know, when you go in? Are there tears? Are you, are there neighbors? Are there other family members that come out to, to greet you? Or did you just kind of keep it close to the vest with, with your um, immediate family? We kept it close. In fact, we, yeah, we just, it was Kevin and Abby. And um, it was... We didn't want anyone here for a bit, and it um, it felt better that way. I think probably for a, a week, we just kept it us until mm. I could get a little bit acclimated. And I don't know. So I'll cry at a commercial. I'll cry at a silly TV show. <laughs> but when I'm really full of emotion, I don't cry. Mm. It's just like I feel it in my chest, but I don't cry. So I just I walked around and looked at everything. And I have to say, you know, I'm sure a lot of women and maybe, you know, men too, when you've been away from your home for that long, for me, all I saw was all of the things that were out of place. (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, oh no, all right, don't think about it now. But eventually we were going to have to do something about that pantry and the refrigerator. Because I mean, four months with a bunch of different people unloading the dishwasher and you know, everyone was so helpful with Kevin, but I couldn't find anything. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, and he was probably like, oh, geez, I hope I left everything the way it is. You know, <laughs> no, I mean, so it was big. great. It was, I just wanted to be in my, it was Christmas time. So we had put the tree up. It, well, I came home on December 14th and um, Abby and Kevin did a really nice job decorating. And it was the tree was up, but not decorated yet. Right. So it was, um, it was great. Then Abby came over the next day and the three of us just decorated the tree. And it, I just sat and watched cause there wasn't much I could do. When I first got home, um, I was really unsure of what I was capable of Right. and I was careful. So I knew I wasn't too steady on my feet. So, but I could sit on the couch and I could hand some things and, you know, we watched our favorite TV shows and Jake was here too, like he always is. And we watched the shows we always watch right. when we decorate the tree. So it just felt almost like an out of body experience after being in the hospital for so long. Absolutely. But yeah. I loved it obviously, but it's very, it's hard to explain when something is that emotional. It, um, I don't know. You can't really well, explain it. Yeah. If I, I have to read this quote because you had it on your, uh, on the sheet that you sent over and it just sort of blew me away. And it, I, I felt the same way. And I'm sure everybody in our position that's had a, you know, serious spinal cord injury finds this out at, at one time or another. And you wrote, I went home hoping to find the old me but I didn't realize I would have to find the new me. And it was like, wow, that is so profound. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You went home thinking the old Tracy was going to be there and you found out pretty soon enough that there is uh, 
Tracy 2.0 is is in the house, <laughs> and and she's better than ever, if you ask me. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's exactly right. It was so. I think Kevin felt that way too. Like, okay, well, I'm coming home now, so you know, I'll just get better, and then I'll go right back to how I was before. But obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously, things for me, things stayed the same. So the things that I had lost from the spinal cord injury, I did not regain from my time home. But I, I gained a new perspective. I, I gained the ability to slow down and to realize that I was going to have to stop rushing through life and, you know, being everyone's caretaker and accept some caretaking of my own. It was, it was a really big struggle for me though. Very big struggle. Cause I'm, I'm so used to being the one who takes care of everyone. Exactly. And, and what people don't realize is that as much as we lose physically and how it affects us physically, it's almost more so these injuries really get you mentally, you know, it's, right. you know, like you were saying, the, the way you, we think of our, ourselves, the way we, we like to, to present ourselves, the way we dress. I mean, no one can ever get us dressed the way we want to, or, you know, brush our hair the way we want to, or how, <laughs> you know, just like button a shirt or do, do my belt. Yeah. Like sometimes when I go to work and I can't get my shirt in, in the back and I'm asking my mom to do it. And then I know the minute I go into the men's room to go to the bathroom, <laughs> it's going to be all out again. And who am I going to ask at Kessler? You know, am I going to ask Jane to do it or someone? It's, it's that whole thing. Like, you know, we just can't handle that stuff. And it, it really, after a while, it just, it takes its toll on us. And I know that it does for me. And I'm sure you probably felt the same way. Absolutely. I mean, it was Kevin, you know, Kevin helped me get dressed for months and it was watching him at the end and even undress, like at the end of an exhausting day, cause he had worked all day cause he's still working. Right. Plus he's taking care of me and he's taking care of the house, but watching him like have to come over to my side of the bed, take my shoes off, check my feet, you know, all those things we did when I first got home just to make sure that I didn't have any sores and, you know, and get me comfortable. It was a good couple of months where he did that every night, no matter how tired he was, he had to take care of me. And it's, um, it makes you feel bad, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and even in the mornings, it was, it was like, I needed him to help me so that I could get up and get showered. And it's, I, I didn't take it well. I really like being more independent than that, but it comes in time. You just have to be patient and, you know, the strength comes, it's just a shock to your system. It is. And, and one word that always strikes me and, and as I was telling you, and that in a a little over a month or so, I'll be 31 years into this whole racket. Uh, the, the one word that comes to mind and that I'm sure most folks in our position will, will, you know, be able to uh, agree with is the word routine. And Mm -hmm. because for me, I've joked in the past with people is that my life is just now one big episode of, um, well, what's that movie? Uh, Groundhog's Day where, I mean, you wake up and I do the same exact thing every single solitary day. I wake up at the same time and I have to, when I get out of bed, I have to be careful because I can't, I can't sleep on my back or I'm sorry. I can't sleep on my stomach or really on my side. Cause I, I still mm-hmm. have to wear one of those condom catheters to bed. Cause I still, you know, I still have the bladder issues. And so yeah. I have to wake up and I have to unhook that, which is never the easiest uh, thing. And then I have to yeah. go in and it's like, Jokin's looking at me and I have to walk over <laughs> with this bag. I have to empty the bag. I have to put it on the shelf. And then it's like, okay, now I have to get some clothes out and put the clothes out. And it's just, it takes forever, but it, it's a routine and it goes like from seven o'clock. Okay. Then eight o'clock I'm having my breakfast. Then I try to go out for a walk and then, you know, then you got to build all this other stuff into it. So I'm sure, did it take you a while to, to come up with like a routine and, and have you have that mastered now? You said it's been since late December. Do you kind of feel like you have a routine set for yourself? I definitely do. And it's so different from the routine I used to have. And in the beginning, it frustrated me because everything takes longer everything. And I think there were even a couple of times where Kev would be like, come on, hurry up. And I would just look at him like, I can't hurry up. It's you know, quad there time. There is no hurrying I, up anymore. Yeah. I tell my friends it's like, quad time. It. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's so much better now. And it just took time. And I think for me, the best part was like the first time that Kevin, cause he had to work part-time in the city. And when he had to go back into Jersey city, 
he thought, well, is, you know, am I going to need someone to stay with me? But I knew I would be okay. And it just took me longer. I was slow and I was careful, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the bathroom. Believe me, when we get to the must-haves, we're going to talk about grab bars because uh-huh. without grab bars, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. But it, um, I understood that I had a routine. I had to do the exact same thing. And I had to accept the fact that it was going to take longer than before and yeah. that I wasn't going to look like I did before. Mm-hmm. And that was a big hit for me. You know, it was, I, I lost my hair when I got home mm-hmm. and I think that was part, I was starting to, hospital, but when I got home, it, it continued to fall out for like two months. And that, that was, it was upsetting, but not as much as you would think, considering I had no bowel or bladder control or no right foot. <laughs> it was just like, whatever, it's just right. hair. Exactly. So I lightened up about the hair and my sister was great about that. She kept, you know, teasing me and telling me we would just get me wigs. Yes. But a hairdresser did tell me that it runs in cycles. So I would probably lose my hair for three months and then it would start coming back. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, good. So it's coming back, but it's coming back curly. I've never had curly hair. (laughs) So I'm like trying to adjust. I'm like, okay, I look different now, but it's funny. It's, you know, it's all good. Like you said, it's like Tracy. 2.0. 2.0. And I, I just have to accept this me yeah, and yeah. that's okay. And it's the routine. And as I know that you mentioned, everything takes time. It reminds me, um, uh, I grew up in, uh, in the eighties was, was my heyday. And there was a, I remember the, the Marines had a commercial that they said, we do more before 8am than most people do all day. <laughs> And it's true. It's quads. Every people that I speak with, they're like, yeah, you know, people, you know, get up and they go to work and they can take a shower and eat something running out the door. And it's like, no, dude, we can't do that. We have to really set this time aside. I mean, it's like for me to be at work by 1030, I mean, I'm out of bed by 645 or 630 to, to kind of get the train rolling. And because it, it takes so long. And the one word that I could, I could sense that you, uh, feel this way because I do as well with with how long it takes everything is just so frustrating, right? Because yeah. we're used to doing things a certain way that it just ain't happening like that anymore. And, you know, you can get angry, you can get frustrated, you can get mad, but it doesn't make it any better and it doesn't change it. So the sooner you accept it, the better, right? Absolutely. And believe me, I, I had my breakdowns, you know, where I would cry and be like, I don't like this. This isn't, you know, what I wanted. And, and everyone kind of had their I was open about being upset. I didn't try to hide it. I was very out with my emotions. And, you know, I got, you know, Kevin, I feel so bad. I try not to with him because I know he's feeling it just like I'm feeling it. But a lot of people would say like, oh, it could have been so much worse. And sometimes that helps and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I know. Because it's still bad for me, you know, and it's still frustrating. And I think too, and I'm sure you feel the same way, just my medications alone, you know, having to take medications three times a day. I didn't take anything before the accident. Yeah, right. And now I have, you know, this pill case and I can't even tell you, I love my friends and family so much because everyone always looks at me and says, did you take your three o'clock meds? (laughs) Because I forget them all the time. I even have a reminder on my phone, but everyone has been really helpful in that respect, even because I still have to catheterize myself and you never know like, what the gap should be. Is it two hours? Is it three hours? Is Mm -hmm. it two hours in the morning, but three hours in the evening? But I have people always reminding me and it's the silliest thing. You feel like you're a child again. They're always, they always go, do you have to go to the bathroom? (laughs) And I always thank them. So I'm like, Oh my goodness, I do. Thank you. So it takes a village. It sure does. And that should, that'll lead us into our next topic. You, You had here family help and we can put friends in on that as well. So, you know, we talked about you come home as a different version of Tracy, but everybody in your home, family members and, and neighbors and good friends are still what they used to be. Okay. They, they haven't changed physically or mentally really. Well, maybe some mentally because their, their friend has been banged up or their wife or their mom. But when it comes down to it, they're, they're pretty much the same, but you're coming home as a different person. So how is that uh, dynamic. Whereas once you're home and you're home for about a week or so, everybody just kind of gets back to doing what their deal is and they're living, living their life. And you're kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm over here and you kind of just went about doing your stuff. Don't forget about me. Right. Definitely. It, It took, so I think in the beginning, everyone, um, was very focused on me and, 
I had so much help. So Abby came over and she did the pantry and it was great. I felt wonderful afterwards, but my niece and my sister would come over too and they would help do closets. And, you know, they would, the things that you never thought of, like they would move my clothes that used to be in the closet. They would move them into the dressing chest closest to the bed and move Kevin's stuff out of that chest and put it in the closet because I couldn't reach anything in the closet anymore. Okay. So everyone helped me switch things around and you know, I loved all my shoes and I had to buy all new shoes, which was <laughs> frustrating for me, mm-hmm. but they helped me a lot with closets and organization. And, and I'd say that went on for a while, but I do remember when I started to feel like everyone else's life is just coming back to normal, but I'm still in this yeah. and I don't know how, you know, I'll be, this is me now, maybe forever. I don't know. But, and there was like a tiny bit, of not resentment, but just sadness that settled in sure. and maybe a little, you know, envy that they were able to, you know, I, I still haven't driven. It'll be almost a year. So yeah, I mean, everybody being able to do the stuff I used to do. Right. That was tough. It is. It is. And you realize like you're watching it happen at like, even like your husband leaving for work or Abby heading out mm. after hanging out with you guys. And it's like, wow, you know, they don't have to worry about stuff that we have to worry about. And they don't have to, you know, make sure that you took your pills or you have to cath or you have to do that kind of stuff. It's just like, mm-hmm. they're just rolling and we're not, and we, we may not ever again. And so that I know is, is the hardest part is the acceptance of it all. And so, um, you know, the sooner I guess you come around to that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like to tell people, I still haven't really, really and truly accepted what happened to me because I, I kind of still don't understand what it was and I, I don't know mm-hmm. why we're dealing with this. And I hope to one day have a long conversation with somebody about how this all happened, <laughs> you know? I know, you know, I know. And that's why, I mean, without you, you know, I've had some bad days and I've called you a couple of times on those bad days or at least texted because you do get it yeah. and you need that friend that someone who is going through it because as much as your friends and family love you and want to be there to help you, they, they don't get it because right. they don't know what it's like, but you do. And yeah. you always made me feel so much better, especially because, you know, as we talked about, one of the biggest challenges is the bowel and bladder issues. Yeah. And that was such a low point for me, sure. but I chose to, just be completely out there and open. And anyone, anyone that knows me who has been close to me will tell you that I was very open about all of that stuff (laughs) because it was so much more humiliating to me to pretend I was hiding it. Right. Or, you know, I'm just kind of like, yep, I'm wearing a diaper. (laughs) It was just, you, I have no choice, but to be honest like that, because it would hurt so much more if I wasn't. And then everyone just gets it and they don't care. And, And truly, like, no one cares. When I was talking to Jen today, Jen is my friend who drives me a lot and, you know, is like my bestie. She, she's like, I don't know why you keep saying you don't look like you. You look exactly like you always have. Mm-hmm. Like, that's everyone else. Because I think I am me. Like, everything from the waist up hasn't changed a bit. Exactly. So everyone does. They don't see what I see. They just see me. Right it's the different perceptions that people have of us and that we have of ourselves, And we'll yeah. always look, I mean, uh, it's funny when I get sometimes dressed up, I had to go somewhere. I forget where it was, but um, my sister and my nephew came in and they said, geez, John, you look really good. And then I went back <laughs> and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, that's really nice, but no, I really don't. I mean, I, I can see like yeah. I'm slinking. My body is now lurching in a certain direction. I can't stand uh. up straight. And, you know, we're always going to see that side of us because we're, you know, I like to joke, we're from the land of the misfit po- misfit toys now from <laughs> from the old Christmas story show. Um, it feels that way. And, you know, it's funny because I feel the same and because I am upright and I'm walking with the canes. I remember I, you know, I continued to go to PT at Kessler in Marlton. And the first time that a therapist put a mirror in front of me and told me to walk like on the bars, right? it was really upsetting because I didn't know I looked like that when I walked. It was so unnatural and it was so awkward and it was, it was eye opening because I'm home walking thinking, you know, I'm walking like I used to, Yeah, here I am, but my body is nothing like it used to be. Yeah. I used to, uh, and and still to this day, and I'll, I'll actually be starting another round of PT for myself, uh, in a couple of weeks, they always send me in for, 
for uh, for some tune-ups. The girls know, the ones that have been there all this time, they know no mirrors in front of John. No mirrors. Because I don't want to see it, like you said. Or sometimes yeah. they take videos and it's like, oh my God, look at this broken soul here. But it's Aww. it's all we have, you know? I mean, we only have this one bite at the apple and we have this one body and we just have to roll with what we still have left and make the most of it, you know? So it's... Exactly. It might be I've tried to embrace that. I mean, the, the slowing down part I probably needed. I do think I was moving too fast and maybe doing too much. I don't know. I don't know that I needed to slow down this much, but <laughs> I do have to kind of understand my limits. Like for me, after a certain time of day, I'm exhausted and my stamina is definitely not what it used to be. So I have, you know, pretty much a set bedtime or I'm taking naps. I never took naps, (laughs) but I feel like my body just has to work so much harder to do what everybody else just does naturally. Without a doubt. Plus we're not in our twenties anymore. I I, I sometimes (laughs) have to kick myself and say, my God, you know, you're not a kid anymore. And so, but it beats the alternative, Tracy. And we know that. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Why don't we slide into uh, what you have uh, termed here must-haves? And I know that you wanted to get to that and you could tell us about some of the things that that you have discovered or that you have put in that have made your life a lot easier. Definitely. So I had railings put up in the garage, which was great because we had three steps and we, we figured that would be the best way for me to get into the house. But we um, we didn't have any railings. So they came out and put railings up so that I was secure with my hands on both sides. So that made things a lot easier. Um, In the shower, I always had a nice kind of like big walk-in shower, which was really helpful. But the grab bars now are so nice. They just make everything really convenient. I feel safe and secure because I always have something to hold on to. it's funny, Kevin and I always say, why didn't we always have a shower chair? Yeah. Like the shower chair is so convenient. Right. And so that, and, and not anything elaborate, but just a small little shower chair that, you know, you can sit in to make sure that you don't slip or fall. And so that was really important. Making sure that, as I mentioned, things get moved to, because I found I was struggling trying to reach for like the first month or so before it finally hit me that I should move the clothes to a place I can reach. So, and that, obviously was much more logical, like being open-minded to change, you know, if if furniture needs to go in a different place, then do that, you know, and it, I didn't make huge changes, but I made small little changes that helped me to walk around the house. Maybe by like, if I realized there was a long stretch where there was nothing to grab, then maybe just put something there that you can grab. And, and if you look, even now it's been what, almost seven months. I have, I still have a walker upstairs because if I get up in the morning and I feel a little more sluggish, I'm not comfortable with the canes. So I just use the walker to get to the bathroom. And there's a walker down here in the kitchen, just in case I have canes everywhere because (laughs) you'll ask, everyone always teases me because I'm always like, do you know where my canes went? (laughs) Because I'll hang them on something or I'll set them down to do something. And then I'll, I'll move away by holding on to furniture. So there's just, you learn that there's a system, you know, that can make things easier and don't be afraid to set your home up in a way that, you know, is different, but more user-friendly for you. Yeah. It sounds like you've channeled your inner occupational therapist. Exactly. Oh my goodness. It's so funny that you say that because there are times where, well, Kevin just got home and Herschel didn't even bark. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. Oh, and Yoke didn't bark either. Maybe Good it's a boy. dog thing. Yeah, there's no barking today. Oh my gosh. For the dogs. Mm. But it's, um, I have thought about OT so much, especially when I was first ambulatory and I, I went into those classes and I remember them setting up obstacle courses and thinking, this is ridiculous. Like, why are they making me walk around these things? But then I got home and I had to deal with throw rugs and dog toys and right. all the things that were in front of me. And I was like that. Thank goodness I had those classes because it made such a big difference. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I never knew what occupational therapy was when I first got hurt. I mean, who knew? And because uh, yep. all anybody wants to know is, are they going to walk? Are they going to walk? Are they going to walk? Yes. And, you know, what about are they going to feed themselves or brush their teeth or get a shirt on and, you know, like do daily activity stuff, you know, ADLs or I, I think they call yep. it. So, so much I didn't even think about. And I remember, um, you know, for me, my favorite time of day now is shower. Like I have to take shower in the morning and 
I still get so excited that I could do it by myself because yeah. I remember feeling terrible in the hospital when, you know, I would get a shower twice a week or, you know, I would feel like I was never going to be able to do it by myself. That was a big thing that bothered me. So that is, that's a proud moment feeling like, you know, I knew I could be independent in that way. Yeah. Well, let me tell you this quick story before we take a break. When I had my showers at Kessler, it was shower night and there was one central bathroom uh, on the, on the old wing and what they would do is they would line us up. There would be like three or four of us lined up with a with a towel over us. And it was like going to the car wash. They'd say, like, next. And they'd come in and they'd take a hose and they would spray you down. And meanwhile, there's three other people staring at you while you're in the, in the oh shower. Oh, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Oh, my horrible. way was way better. Yeah. So so I know exactly what you mean when you're, you can just get in your own shower and let the nice hot water roll over your back, right? Exactly. And yeah. what's funny is I can't start my day without it now where before I would be able to but now it's a must or else I get really stiff yeah so and it's the animals have kind of waited because I I enjoyed taking over the animal care you know from calves because it was something I could do but even another example I had to move where I kept the cat food because I moved it to an area where I could get to it but they all now have to wait for me to, like you said, get up, yep. go to the bathroom, take a shower, get That's completely it. ready. Cause I don't want to go up and down the steps more than once if I don't have to. So they all have to wait for me to be completely ready before yep. I come down the stairs. And there'll be people down here if my dad stays with me or, um, or Kev's downstairs already. And they'll call Herschel and call him to come out and go to the bathroom, but he will only go out for me. Mm-hmm. So they just hang out upstairs and, you know, their new routine is when I come downstairs, so do they. That's it. Everybody adjusts. They have a new routine as well. Absolutely. exactly. Okay, Tracy. So this is a good time to take a break. And uh, I am proud to announce to my listeners that we have a new sponsor here at the Quadcast, and that is the North American Spinal Cord Injury Consortium. So following this PSA from the NASCIC, Season 4, Episode 9 with Tracy Iraka rolls on. The North American SCI Consortium has a mission to bring about unified achievements in research, care, cure, and policy by supporting collaborative efforts across the SCI community. They have developed the SCI Research Advocacy Course to learn about the research process. This course is a free, self-paced online resource and was created through a collaborative effort involving diverse members of the SCI community with significant input from people living with SCI. The 12-module course will help you become a more effective, empowered SCI research advocate and give you tools and strategies to make your voice and the voice of the SCI community heard. Researchers are also encouraged to take the course as we highlight how research advocacy can improve the way that research is designed, conducted, and shared so that it is more useful for the community. You can learn more about the course and sign up by visiting nascic.org and clicking on the SCI Research Advocacy tab. Thank you. And we are back. So did you recognize those velvety tones on the previous commercial? Well, if you did and liked what you heard, I understand the gentleman is available and eager to get more involved in the voiceover world. In fact, you can inquire about his services at jmacalevy at comcast.net or by calling 973-202-3579. With that said, Tracy, let's jump back into our adjustments portion of the conversation and uh, tell me about some of the things that uh, you have uh, adjusted to other than some of these things that we've already spoken about. I think uh, for me, it was understanding that this was just as frustrating, if not more, for Kevin and being uh, like setting a calm tone in the house because. It's so hard when you first come home. I have to tell you, the the one thing that, and I didn't mention it earlier, but the one thing that made me so happy was uh, getting into my own bed. Like, I I remember I said I didn't cry. The only time I cried was when I got into my bed for the first time because I really didn't like the hospital bed. So when I got into my bed, it felt so good. And we 
like we started a new nighttime routine because we just needed peace, right? Mm -hmm. From like the chaos of the day. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, getting into bed earlier and we would watch, you know, Green Acres, which is so silly. And then we would watch a little bit of Hogan's Heroes. And by that time I was already sound asleep. But, but it was, it's just something that we do because it's light and it's happy and we just can, you know, drift off to sleep. But I, I still have this feeling exactly of anxiety and, um, and I still think a lot about being back in the hospital. So I have these like super soft blankets that my friends gave me while I was in the hospital and I have to sit with them. Yeah. And they, because they soothe me. So I have one upstairs and I sleep with it. And then I have one downstairs that I sit on the couch with. It's like, you have to understand that things are going to come back to you and you're going to have feelings and you're going to have to give yourself some grace and understand that it's okay. It's okay. If you have a little panic attack, it's okay. You know, if you get upset when, when I first got home and uh, my niece was helping me clean out things. She pulled out the fanny pack from the walk where yes. I got injured and I didn't expect the reaction that I had. Mm-hmm. I, I had a hard time even catching my breath. I just, I think at Kessler, you're so focused on recovery, yes. you know, physical recovery. And I wasn't as focused on mental recovery. Mm-hmm. So that was a big adjustment for me. I of didn't course. expect to feel so fragile when I got home and I use that word a lot, I would tell my family, like, you know, take it easy on me. I'm fragile. And I think, I don't know how you felt, John, but I also kind of thought that, um, like, Oh wow, no one's ever going to get mad at me again. (laughs) You know, after this happens to me, no one's ever going to get mad at me. They're never going to give me a hard time, but that is actually not true. (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) so funny. Yeah. The sooner you figure that out, that you, you go back (laughs) to being just a regular schlub like everybody else. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Oh, yep. boy. So there were, for me, it was more the mental adjustments were difficult. And I found myself just sitting in silence quite a bit and I was okay with that. You know, yeah. if I went and just sat on the porch or, and you know, your head goes to crazy places, but you just take a deep breath sure. and, and realize that it's normal, you know, and that it's okay and carry on. Absolutely. How about interactions with your children as an adjustment now that your mom, but you're, as you, as we stated earlier, you're a new version of mom. And so did that take any time to, to get back into the swing of things or, you know, family's family and you just got right back on the horse? No, I think with the kids, it was, um, I, I did a lot for them and, you know, Abby's 26 and Jake's 24 and I did a lot for them before I got hurt. And, you know, an example, it's silly to say, but Jake had to start doing all of his own laundry because, and of course he did it in college. So he knows how to do laundry, but that was an adjustment. I didn't clean up his room. I just kept the door closed. So it was, you know, that was an adjustment for him that I couldn't baby him. I couldn't do the things that I shouldn't have been doing anyway. So that was okay. And I think with Abby, it was harder because you know, Abby, John, and she, like she was there when I got hurt. Mm-hmm. And when she got home, it was, it was like how Kevin felt like she, she had to emotionally reconcile what she had seen and what she had gone through. Mm-hmm. And like, she was a trooper when I was in the hospital, but you know, when she got home, it was, it was a lot harder. And I felt like maybe we kept a little bit of distance Yep. and you know, she, we talked on the phone all the time and every day, but she, um, she took the time that she needed to kind of, you know, get yourself back on track. Yeah. Because as we say, these injuries don't only affect us, they affect our family members, our friends, our coworkers and all that stuff. And, you know, the ones that love us the most are, are trying to, as you say, I like that word reconcile, like, geez, I always use the example of when I see people, when I walk through the, through the, um, concourse at Kessler, they all have the same look on their face. Like, Hey, can somebody Mm. get the license plate on the rail, uh, on the train that just derailed our lives? Because it, it just is so all encompassing and it, it, it'll never be the same, their lives and our lives. And so it takes a while to really come to grips with all this stuff. And some people, like I can remember, I thought there'd be some friends that would be in my corner that I never saw. They just couldn't come Mm. to the hospital. They couldn't come to Kessler. It was nothing personal. They just couldn't deal with that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, people heal and, and change in different ways and different times. And so it's, um, yeah, I, I, I know it's totally, 
human for, for, for me to hear that situation with your daughter, at least in the beginning. Definitely. And I think too, other people have other, their own crises, right? So when, you know, when I got home, um, Kevin's dad passed away and it was, I got home on the 14th and on the 15th, he went in the hospital. So, and I was very close to him and, and, you know, did a lot to care for his health situation before I got hurt. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to, we all had to say goodbye to him and he he passed away shortly after he went in the hospital. But now, you know, that, that's a crisis that Kevin's family has to deal with. And you're thinking like, wow, we all have these, these big things. And it's, it's, it was a bad year is all we keep saying. Yeah. It was a really bad year, but bad year. you're right. It's, it carries on. And I have to accept that, that I won't be the same, but I have to figure out what I want to do next, Yes, you know, cause I did go back to work. Yeah. That, um, be- that- I wanted to mm-hmm. because of my, I just needed to put my head somewhere and I'm really glad that I did, but it, it's only four hours a day. So I'm half, you know, half. Right. I have just enough stamina to do that. Well, before so, you go into what you're doing now, remind me and mm-hmm. our listeners, like what a day in the life was, you know, before the day of your accident, like work-wise. I mean, you were, you were a real workaholic and a uh, very accomplished woman. So, so tell us exactly like what a day in the life would be and then contrast that with what you're doing now, which is amazing. And all of that, even <laughs> though it might be half of what you used to do. Right. So before... I got hurt. I would, we worked from home and, um, but I would get up and start my day usually sometime between eight and nine. I would work straight through with meeting after meeting on zoom, um, until at least, you know, five or six. And then I would make sure that we had dinner. And then after dinner, I would usually just sit on the couch. Kevin would too. And we would have our computers and we would continue to go through emails and, and, you know, do more work. And, And that's if I wasn't stopping to drive, you know, someone to the doctor or, you know, take the kids somewhere, or I was always helping someone in between my work schedule. And then I would walk Herschel and I have to say, Heather was amazing because she had me walking miles with the dogs. And I love that. And I think, um, that's probably why I did start to um, heal better. I think maybe after the accident, because I was in really good shape. Absolutely. So I managed to fit in, you know, an hour walk every day, plus all of the work, but I just never felt like I was doing enough. Like I went to bed at night, there were still things on my to-do list, but I was just too exhausted. And it started all over again, Mm -hmm. you know, the following morning. And it's just, it was definitely a rat race. Without a doubt. And so now what are you doing now? Are you still working with the same company, the same people? And, and um, how have uh, your chores changed? Uh, so, yes, I'm still with the MDS Foundation, the Myelodysplastic Syndrome Foundation. I'm still the executive director. Um, I came back and I, I spoke to the board about how I could come back part time. And I just had to delegate some of the tasks to you know my teammates and they've been fantastic. So that's what we've been doing. I work as much as I can. I try to delegate as much as I can and I just oversee. And, and that's kind of where I am right now. So when I get up in the morning, I, um, as we mentioned, do all the shower, come downstairs. I work either in the morning or the afternoon, but you know, it's funny when you're going to PT and then of course I've got a bunch of doctor appointments. There's always somewhere that you have to be. So I'll either do mornings or I'll do afternoons for work. And then I have to fit in exercise. And when I went back to work, Kevin said, you're, you know, it's too soon and you're going to neglect your body. And I was like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. He was so right. Like I, oh. I got suckered back in to working and I did start to feel like maybe I wasn't doing enough physical stuff at home. So yes. I mean, I know you feel it too. If you just go a couple of days oh my gosh. without doing something, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, the old move it or lose it. I tell people that it is so yeah. true. I tell my friends, my, my able-bodied friends, you know, we're, we're in our mid fifties now and we, you know, we like to laugh like we're still in high school, but you know, <laughs> one guy's already had a hip replacement and another guy's telling me, you know, oh, my ankles hurt me. And I look at him like, yeah, cry <laughs> me a river. <laughs> Will you please? But I tell them, you know, guys, you got to really move it or lose it. And one thing that I learned is huge and I don't do it enough because I can't do it myself, but I have to find 
somewhere or somebody to help me is you got to stretch. I mean, my back is yeah. like tight as a drum all the time. And uh, something that I wanted to talk to you about, you know, people go away uh, to summer camp and they do all sorts of things. And I was like, you know, I could probably talk to Tracy about this, but we, we need to <laughs> invent a place. Maybe you and I could, could be on the ground floor of like be the next Jack LaLanne people, but sort of like <laughs> a, a, a spot where folks who have had catastrophic injuries to themselves and have been, you know, out of it for a number of years now that, you know, that they're not being, uh, they're not inpatients, but almost like a place to go where you can go in for tune-ups and almost stay like for a couple of weeks. Cause I mean, if there was such a place, Tracy, I would crawl over hot coals to go there now because I need, I, I'm not a, I mean, I used to be a good self-starter and I used to run, I used to go to the gym and work out. But now that my body is just not running on all cylinders, I, I don't do it enough and, and it's yeah. terrible. I need someone to crack the whip. And so if there was a place where I could go to get like three or four hours of PT every day and then go back to the room and then wake up and go down to the gym, then I would, as I said, I would love something like that. So I don't know if it exists. Maybe I'm onto something <laughs> here, but I mean, it's so true when you talk about if you miss a yeah. couple of days, it sets you back that people don't realize. And it's, it's hard yeah. to come back again. It is. It's kind of a vicious circle. Like if I get a little bit depressed and then I decide I'm just going to sit and watch TV, um, then the next day I feel lousy and then I get depressed because I feel lousy. So you really do have to just get up and move. And thankfully, I, I do have people who, you know, are pushing me and saying, did you exercise today? And, yeah. and I have tried to keep like exercise bands in the living room. So even if I do watch TV, I can still do an arm workout. Like I can still do bands or yeah. I can do small weights. And, and in the office in the basement where I work, I do have um, a treadmill and another piece of equipment that's almost like a an elliptical, but you sit down. Yeah. So I have those two pieces. Plus I have a massage table because, um, a friend of mine, you know, Jen's daughter was an OT and she would bring this when I first got home, she would bring this massage table. Yep. And I thought, well, I'm just going to get my own because it's very comfortable. And even if you just lay down and stretch, cause I couldn't get up off the ground. Right. So, so now that's right next to where I sit at my computer. So if every hour or two I get up and I stretch out on that massage table and then I go back to sitting in the chair, yeah. um, that's another adjustment where it's, um, encourages me to move my body a little bit. Plus there's a TV in there. So if you're binge watching something, you can just exercise while you're watching it. That's awesome. I have to look into do into something like that or either that or find somebody that can stretch these old bones out because they're <laughs> tighter and tighter and tighter. Oh, I remember that because that's what Ferris had said to me. It's like, you don't have to exercise every day. Like you don't have to do the big exercise routine, but you do have to stretch every day. Yeah. The great Ferris, by the way. <laughs> yes. One of the exactly. all-time greats. He's he's such a great young man. And I was lucky enough to have him join me for an episode of, of this here podcast a long time ago. He wrote that book. And, um, has he pushed the book on you yet? Oh, I read it. Yeah. As soon as I started with him. Isn't it great? It's fantastic. Uh, it really is. And he's, he's, he's the best. You know, he gets it. And for a yeah. young person, I mean, he just gets it. He he knows, he feels our, our pain and he has sympathy for us and he pushes us. And he just is somebody that, that, you know, he's younger than I, but I look up to him <laughs> because yeah. he just gets it. And, and we need people like that in, in that field. And, um, I just really value his friendship and, uh, I look forward to all the great things that he's doing because he does a lot of great work with his, um, his FaceTime, uh, his Facebook mm -hmm. shows that he does. And he's terrific. And, and please give him my best when you see him, give him a hug for me because he's, uh, Aww. he's doing great work. He really is. I can't. I definitely will. I feel like he's my physical therapist, but he's also my therapist. The poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to him all the time. I think I've even cried a little bit a couple of times while I'm exercising. I'm telling him all of the things that are going through my mind. So he's been very patient with me. Absolutely. And I'm sure he, he enjoys hearing all that and he knows he's helping you in between the ears, not only, not only in therapy wise, but, uh, on the couch as well, almost as a, as a listener. So <laughs> exactly. that's a good thing. And so how about now as we get to finish up, I want to talk about one thing that I am so happy for. And I know that Jane Mitchell is so happy about, and I know that, uh, our folks on the wing at Kessler are, are just thrilled. 
And that is that Miss Tracy has agreed to come on as a peer mentor uh, in the peer mentoring department at Kessler, which is my bailiwick. This is the area that I run. We don't have a lot of women to do it. We have, of course, uh, the great Janine, and uh, she has been shouldering all of these people. I mean, she was like the only one that we had. Um, and we don't, we're looking for some young women too. Um, but we know that since Janine can only see so many people, we had to bring on some more women and Tracy was, was kind enough to, to accept and, um, actually had your first, tell everybody about the first session that you had, um, and what, what you were thinking beforehand and, uh, what you took from some of the sessions that maybe you and I had when you were there and, um, your just overall thoughts on the program. I love it. I'm so excited to be helping out. And at first I wasn't sure how I would feel when I, you know, walked into Kessler in that capacity for the first time, but I have nothing but love for Kessler. I feel so good. I feel like I'm surrounded by family Mm -hmm. and I love seeing everyone. I even walked past my old room and just kind of still, everything just felt, you know, warm and cozy. And I loved being back and I absolutely loved my first session. It was it was something where um, I realized, and you told me this too, so important just to listen. That's it. And, you know, very little bits of conversation from my end, but just listening. Yeah. You know, listening to the stories, listening to the fears. And it was it was so rewarding for me. And I really felt like I was making a difference, like I was being helpful. And yeah, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, without question. And that was why, you know, Jane and I both were like, she is a natural. I mean, she would be so <laughs> great at all this. And it really is. You just have to be a listener because the person in the bed, I mean, that that's why we're there. You know, we're there to, yep. to sort of help them, uh, you know, kind of get through the fog and whatever they want to talk about. I mean, sometimes we'll talk about sports when I'm in with somebody. Sometimes they'll talk about their family. Sometimes they'll talk about their how their injury happened and You know, Uh it's just basically, you never know where it's going to go. I never push anything. I never, you know, say like, so tell me about your bladder problems and tell me about, (laughs) you know, if that wants to come up, Hey, listen, I'm an open book. And and I know you feel the same way. And some people will want to talk to you about that sort of stuff, but it's just a different perspective that you have. You know, when I walk into the room for the first time, I'll tell people, you know, we have this program and you know, it's one thing to talk to your husband or your wife or your son or daughter, um, or your doctor or your therapist. And that's great. But, you know, they're all able-bodied people. It's sometimes, you know, to speak to somebody who's been living with their disability in the community for a number of years and has kind of figured out and mastered certain things, that's, you know, priceless. And you don't get that in anywhere else. And so to be able to provide that service, I know that you're going to be just an absolute home run for the women that we send you in to see. Oh, thank you. I really, you're right. I felt, I felt good. Because um, when I first walked into the room, I could tell that that her husband was upset, and I um, and I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to engage, but if he wants to participate, he can. Yep. And you know, just after the first couple minutes, he started asking questions, and he turned his body around to face us, and I was like, okay, well, now we can all talk, and it it just felt great. It felt like um, like I had helped them. And, and I'll never forget the first thing that Sarah said to me when we had our consultation was, I'm not going to make you any promises. And that always stuck in my head because I, you know, I'd love to give people hope, but of course I can't give them any promises right. either. And I can tell my story and I can talk about how I came into the hospital, you know, as a complete injury and left as an incomplete injury. And, you know, that's a success story mm-hmm. and I'm very lucky for that, but yeah. You know, you make no promises. You're just there to let people know that, you know, you can get through it right. and that it's um, that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to ask a ton of questions and it's okay to wonder, you know, why the hell this happened to you? Yes. You know, Tracy, one thing, it's, it's hard. We don't ever like to pat ourselves on the back and I don't sort of mean it in that way, but when, when you walk in the room and you'll feel it and I, and I mm. feel it that way it's almost like you wear this, this badge of honor. And mm-hmm. when you walk in, it's almost like the people that are there, they show you like some sort of a respect because they're like, wow, this person's had something awful happen to them. And yeah. they can still walk in the room and, you know, 
whether it's a fake smile or whatever it is, <laughs> they can still have a smile on their face. And so it's almost like it's a level of respect and you, you feel that you're going to take that and, and pass it on to the next person. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we're just paying it forward to the next person that's yeah. in that bed. Uh, you know, there, by the grace of God go I, and, and we're just, you know, trying to, to make somebody feel a little bit better in the, in the strife that they're in. And as I said, um, the feedback that we got from the young lady that you went to see was over the moon. So your first, uh, you hit your first ball out of the park, young lady. And now, Thank you. That's so nice to hear. Yeah. And, and we look forward to, uh, to getting you back in. I'll be back up uh, later this week and I'll see, I'm sure there'll be a number of, of, uh, of folks that we could send you in to see. And so, uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you on the team. And, and I know when you see Jane again, she'll tell you the same thing. And so, uh, we look forward Wonderful. to uh, to a lot of good uh, help for, for people in the future. Wonderful. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I'm excited to come back. Yeah. So let's, as we finish up, I want, I want you to let me know um, what is your proudest moment of, uh, of being home and, and Tracy 2.0, and then maybe uh, something that, uh, that you're working towards or that you're working on for the future. Proudest moment. So I think my proudest moment was the first day I stayed home alone. The first day that Kevin went to work and I was able to do everything I needed to do successfully. And I felt really that independence was fantastic. I loved being in the house alone, but I also, I have to say, I think I have like a a second, a close second is because when you come home, you don't realize what you're going to be capable of. So I, I didn't know how I would get around the kitchen, but it, I can cook and I can do dishes. And the first time that I helped cook dinner was amazing. Like I, I felt great. I was like, okay, I can still do these things. So I yeah, say those are probably my proudest moments. Tracy, don't let anybody know that you can do dishes again. <laughs> I know. Come on. You're right. We got to use <laughs> these. Yeah. We got to use these injuries in some respect. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. I know like poor Kevin is still doing the cat boxes. Oh, I'm not yeah. Sure. Yeah, honey, if I, I can't squat reach. down, like I may never be able to do that again. Exactly. I was told not to overextend myself. You know, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. Well, exactly. We could use that yeah. as our card, right? Yeah. Hey, we deserve something. We sure do. <laughs> we sure do. Well, Tracy. So my wait. I want to say my hardest part. Oh yeah, right? your hardest part. My lowest moment, and I think I've shared it with you before. Is yes. Is still still trying to get the bowel and bladder stuff. Yeah under control. It's, it's tough. That part is tough. And and just when you think you've got it, it, you know, throws you for a loop again. It does. It does. That's the the hardest part, I think. The key is not to let it rule you. And I know it's so easy for me to say, because I had an accident myself one time and it set me back a couple of Mm -hmm. years. I didn't want to go up. I didn't want to leave the house to go to work because I was oh. humiliated. And it's, again, it's some things that people will have no, no idea what we're talking about, or, you know, you could be yeah. one minute and then you could be wearing it within 30 seconds. And so, <laughs> yep. you know, the key is exactly. Just, I think it's why I won't travel yet, you know, for work or really even pleasure. I'm afraid to be stuck on a plane yeah. or, you know, in the security line of the airport or whatever. I just, you know, you want to be in a safe place close to a bathroom with your, you know, as I call my diaper bag that we carry <laughs> around everywhere we go. Yeah. Your diaper bag. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, yep. The adult baby. I tell my friends, sometimes I am, I am the adult yep. baby and I have, I need, uh, you know, all these things around me. I know where every bathroom is in the tri-state area. <laughs> exactly. That's something you'll get down. You, you will definitely understand what that's all about. Absolutely. I'm headed there. Yes, you are. Well, listen, I look forward to you coming back up, not only to peer mentor, but also to drive again. Isn't that something that's on the horizon? It is. So I've done my driving uh, training and I've passed my driving test and I bought a new car and, you know, awesome. I finally had to get rid of the 10 year old Highlander yes. because it didn't make sense to modify it. I have to drive with my left foot. Okay. So the vehicle needs to be modified with a left foot gas pedal, which is pretty cool because- yes. I'll drive with my left foot, but then we can turn that off and turn the right pedal on so that Kevin can still drive that car too. Beautiful. Yeah. They can do so many uh, different things. 
It's amazing. So we're at the point now where we're waiting for the place that's going to do the modification to call and make an appointment. But I heard it can be done in one day. It's like a four-hour thing you wait for. So it's going to be sometime soon. That is awesome. And I look forward to seeing your shining face and great smile (laughs) up on the wing again soon. I know Jane does as well. And uh, we're going to put you to work, young lady. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Tracy, thanks again, not only for coming on, but for the friendship that we've put together over these many months. Uh, And I look forward Mm -hmm. to continuing it um, weekly. Sounds perfect. Thanks so much, John. Take care. So what did you think of the format? More of a shoot from the hip type of conversation this time around. Please send your feedback along. I will take it under advisement. Thanks again to my fellow SCI survivor and thriver, peer mentoring colleague, and above all friend, Tracy Iraka, for being as open and honest as possible. Trust me, folks, it is not easy to talk about some of the subjects we covered. It truly takes a special person to do so, and that she is. I look forward to seeing you on the wing early and often moving forward, Miss Tracy, and I promise this time around, Jochen will speak to you. Oh, that was unfortunate. Thanks again to my loyal listeners for joining us this week. I am working on a few guests for some future shows, so hang in there with the kid. Until next time, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care.